Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Look at your neighbor and say, say what now? Who was where, led where for what? That, that, let me pause. There's certain things in scripture that you can shout over. You know what I mean? When it says I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed when I come and when I go, I can shout over that. When it says greater is he that's in me than anything I face, I, I, I can shout, I can shout over that. When it says all the promises of God are yes, and I could, when it says he was led by the Spirit to nowhere to be tempted, but there ain't no shout in that. There's no, I've been reading this verse all week. I can't find a shout in that verse. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. No kidding. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, can you read that phrase with me? It is, come on, one more time. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God Father God, we come to you in this moment declaring who you are. You are God that has no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever. God, yours is the kingdom. God, you're in this room right now. So we honor you. We say have your way. God, do what only you can do. Only you can heal. Only you can deliver. Only you can speak peace. Only you can take us one step closer to the purpose, the plan, the destiny that you have for us. So God, we say, have your way. Anoint me to speak. Anoint us to hear. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. The, the, the name of this series, we're going to go over the next three weeks, is this idea called mentioned. Mentioned. We're kind of pulling from this latest Instagram app called Threads. Anybody got Threads? I downloaded the app. I ain't used it yet. I ain't threaded nothing. It's hard enough just to keep up with the rest of them. Now I got to post and thread. It's Y'all remember back when social media was fun? Back when you would just like, you know, go out to eat and take a picture of your food and post it. My meal. The rest of us would like it, but secretly we're thinking, that's disgusting. I would never eat that. Or you're on vacation, and you would take a picture of the hotel next to your hotel. Not the one you're staying at, but the one you're going to stay at next year. I ain't not going to take the picture of the one I'm at right now. You know, I'm trying to get these student loans taken care of. But next year, this is where it's... And everybody's like, man, look like you're having fun, or whatever it may be. But somewhere... Probably, I think, in probably the last three or so years, social media has kind of changed. Where now you can't just post, you can't just put up a picture and it'd be fine. Now everybody feels like they have the right to comment about your life. 
It, it almost doesn't matter what you post. There's going to be someone that feels like they are anointed by God to get in the comments and to tell you why you're wrong. I go to the gym once a year. It's my uh, annual <laughs> ritual. <laughs> You know, it's like one of the things where if a tree falls in the ground and nobody was there to hear it, did it make a sound? Well, if I went to the gym and I didn't post about it, did it actually happen? So I'll go in the gym, you know, I'll kind of splashing water on my face because I don't really sweat that much and lift some weights and shoot video, post it online. And you would not, I mean, you're supposed to encourage health, right? Like, your form is wrong, Pastor. Straighten your back. Your elbows are locked. This is, did I ask you? Now, some of y'all, y'all don't mess with social media at all. It's just because you're mature. God bless you. The rest of us, we ain't there yet. And it's kind of gotten to a place where you're just like, I'm going to turn the comment sections off. I'm going to stop reading. I don't want to know what people have to say. Y'all got to do what my grandma does. By the way, y'all, grandma's on IG. Y'all follow, follow grandma, all right? It's Gma Chandler. Follow, follow Gma. I'm dead serious. Follow grandma. Now, I got to warn you, she don't post nothing. Grandma don't post Grandma don't post, but just because she don't post doesn't mean she doesn't see. <laughs> she is on there. She will see everything you post. <laughs> she may even comment on it. If you see Jemma Chandler on your comments, you know who that is. <laughs> the people are just like, oh, I'm done. I'm not going to be on. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with that because I don't want to have to hear what people have to say. One of the things that I've discovered, though, is that even if you're not on social media and people aren't commenting in your comment section, you will always have the comments of the enemy in your life. For some reason, the enemy feels like he has the right to comment on every moment of your life. And you, if you don't understand the word of God and how life works, you will think those comments are just negative thoughts in your head. They're not just negative thoughts in your head. The Bible says like fiery darts, like arrows, the enemy shoots thoughts towards you. Thoughts like, who do you think you are? You don't deserve that. Thoughts like, don't get close to that person. They're going to discover who you really are and reject you. Thoughts like, you can pretend for everybody else, but I know the temptations that you struggle with. You nasty. <laughs> Just comment, comment. Comment, comment, comment. And the Bible says that he masquerades as an angel of light. And some of y'all actually think it's the conviction of God. Can I tell you about the conviction of God and the comment of God? It never tears you down. It always builds you up. God will never come at you and say, you're not worth it. You're disgusting. You're this, you're that. He will come to you and say, hey, you're better than that. Here's who I have you to be. Here's where I'm taking you to. And if we're not careful... The comment section of the enemy can abort the destiny that God has for you. It's called warfare, y'all. In Matthew chapter 4, we, we, we come upon the moment of Jesus being revealed to the world. If you know the story of Jesus, which I'm assuming everybody does, he was 100% God. He did not have an origin. He was never created. The only explanation that we get of God was in the beginning, God. What does that mean? That means before you were, I was. 
What was before that? Nothing. I always was. But in the New Testament, we see God in the form of Jesus giving up his divinity, giving up the divine nature and taking on the the cloak or the clothing of a human so that he can experience what we experience so that he can redeem us from this world. And he comes to earth as a baby and we see him as Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. We see the star over the house where he was. We see the three magi that come and provide him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they bring him the word that that Herod was trying to kill Jesus. You've got to flee for your life because one of the attacks of the enemy is he will always attack in infancy what he does not want to deal with in maturity. Hear me, it's not just a harmless television show. It's not just some some enlightened teaching that they want to teach your kids in school. The enemy is attacking their purity because he says, if I can take them out now, I won't have to deal with them when they're mature enough. Hear me, guard your children's heart until they're old enough to guard their own heart. Can I get a parent to say amen? So we see Joseph take his family to Egypt to hide from the attack of the enemy. And then God says it's safe to come back. And he goes into Nazareth. And we see Jesus growing up. We we get to the moment where where they go to Jerusalem to perform the the sacraments and to worship God. As they're heading back to Nazareth, they accidentally leave Jesus back in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that argument? When Mary said, Joseph, you got Jesus. And Joseph said, I thought you had him. And Mary said, what you mean you thought I had him? You said he was with you. Could you imagine you have one job? You got one job. Get Jesus to the cross. It is your, just make sure he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't die until he dies. That is your job. And here you are, you lost the savior of the world. They go running back and they find Jesus in the temple as a 12-year-old educating the priest of the temple. We should have known something was up then. And he looks at his mother. He says, don't you know this is where I belong? I must do the work my father sent me. Mary says, shut up and get in that caravan. And what's really interesting is we see this baby come, we see the star, the magi, we hear the prophecy about his future, we find him in the temple teaching grown adults about the things of God, and then he disappears. As if he did not exist, many theologians believe from 12 years old to 30 years old, there is no record, there's no story, there is no mention of Jesus Christ. For 18 years, he is hidden in obscurity. Some of us feel like we are hidden. We feel obscure. We, 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 we feel like nobody knows us. Nobody's seen us. We feel unfulfilled. And with those feelings comes the lie of the enemy that you're unseen because you're unvalued. You're hidden because there's not much purpose to you. You're obscure because you're average. But then I look at the life of Jesus, and at not one moment was he obscure. At one moment was he undervalued. At one moment did he not have a great purpose on his life, but yet God still hid him, which tells me that sometimes God hides valuables. Anybody grew up in a house that had a set of china? Didn't it irritate you? 
because it only came out on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you weren't allowed to eat from it. It was only for the guests, and then after they ate, you couldn't put it in the dishwasher. You had to wash it by hand and dry it right away and put it right back in the stupid cabinet that it was put in for the last, because it was valuable. As I look throughout scripture, I discover God always hides those he values. He said, Moses is going to be a deliverer to the nations. Let me hide him in a river. Joshua is the one that's going to lead my people into the promised land. Let me hide him in Moses' shadow in the temple where God's presence is. Hey, David is going to be one of the greatest kings, a man after my own heart. Let me hide him in a sheep's field where you only find servants. Gideon, you mighty warrior, we find hidden in a wine press. Elijah, who called fire down from heaven, was hidden in a cave. Hear me, if you feel obscure, if you feel hidden, if you feel overlooked, if you feel invisible, maybe you're not invisible, baby. Maybe God is just hiding you because he values you. Maybe God understands there's something on your life that the world is not ready for. So let me tuck you away until they're ready. I don't know why Jesus was hidden. I don't know if he was not yet mature enough for his destiny or whether his destiny had not yet matured for him. Come on, any, any old charismatic Pentecostal folks in the room, if you are, you know the word kairos. It is the divine collision between heaven and earth. It is timing, baby. Look at your neighbor and say, your time is not right. The time is not right. The time is not right. Because when the time is right, heaven's going to break out in this place. We finally get to the point where the timing is right and Jesus is revealed. John the Baptist goes in the wilderness and declares, the one who comes behind me, I'm not even worthy to tie his Nikes. Jesus comes out. He's baptized by John the Baptist. A dove representing the Holy Spirit rests upon his head. Y'all, God the Father cracked the sky open just to tell the world, this is my son in whom I love and in him I am well pleased. If it was 2023, Jesus would have gone viral. Millions of views. Everybody would have known him. And I'm expecting after Jesus is revealed to the world, this is your moment. Capital, ain't that what they teach us? Hey, when you get a promotion, that's when you lean in. When they recognize you, when they see you, when you get that interest, your, your, your name is on people's tongue. This is not the time to back up. This is the time to lean in and to maximize your 15 minutes. And yet we see Jesus revealed, Jesus anointed, Jesus declared. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. Not an empty wilderness to have a sabbatical, a respite. <laughs> Satan was there. God knew that Satan was there, and he still sent him. Which tells me two things. The first thing is this. That just because I find myself in no man's land does not mean I'm outside of the will of God. 
Just because nothing around me makes sense doesn't mean I've missed God or God has abandoned me. Hear me. We have been preached some lies. And some of the lies we've been preached is that if I've got God, I'll never have any problems. If I've got God, everything in life will make sense. If I've got God, everything will be easy like Sunday morning. I know it preaches good, but it ain't Bible because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. The Bible says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Sometimes you're smack dab in the middle of the will of God and you're also smack dab in the middle of nowhere. And I've got to know God led me here. And if he led me here, he led me here on purpose. Well, if God led me to the middle of nowhere where he knew Satan was and he knew Satan was going to attack, why in the world would he let this happen? Here's what I've discovered, that when I act like a baby Christian, when I act like a Christian who needs a pacifier, I begin to pray prayers like, God, why me? I don't deserve this. This ain't fair. God, I'm a preacher. I'm a tither. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not ratchet like everybody else. I can tell you... Sorry, I was letting you into my prayer time. <laughs> but when I've grown up a little bit, when I've matured a little bit, when, 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 when I've got a little bit on my faith resume, when I figure out how the kingdom of God works, I discover that every time God is getting ready to promote me, he must always test me first. I begin to discover that whenever God's getting ready to do a miracle in my life, whenever he's getting ready to bring a breakthrough, whenever he's getting ready to do something for me I can't do for myself, it is always preceded by an attack of the enemy. That's why James wasn't talking to baby Christians when he said, y'all count it all joy. When you face trials, watch this, various trials. My brother, count it all joy. When you, here's the word I want to look for, fall into various trials. You know why? Because nobody signs up for this foolishness. (laughs) Come on, all you martyrs. No, Jesus died on the cross, so I don't have to. Nobody signs up for an attack from the enemy. But James says when you get mature, you begin to count it all joy when you fall in a various trial. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith, watch this word, produces. Some of you, that's all the encouragement you needed. You were wondering, why did that sickness have to come to my house? Why did that person have to walk away? Why did I lose that job? Why am I going through this overwhelming battle with depression or whatever it may be? Because if you don't quit, if you don't give up, it will produce something in your life. I've discovered that God will not tell you what he's about to take you through. It's like telling your kids, we're going to the doctor to get a shot. You don't tell them that. What do you tell them? Later today, we're going to get ice cream. And you skip the part with the doctor's visit and the needle that to them looks 12 feet long. God will tell you the problem. Here's the marriage I'm going to take you to. Here's the amazing kids that you're going to raise and going to stand up and call you blessed. Here's the thousands of lives that you're going to impact on the way. I ain't going to tell you about the Red Sea along the journey. I'm not going to tell you about the Egyptians coming after you. I'm not going to tell you about the Moabites or the Edomites trying to take you. Because it doesn't matter. You're going to get through all that. 
Now I'm like, I'd appreciate it if you had let me know. This is good preaching. You're going to be a follower of God and see him use your life in a great way. You're going to go some, through some things that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. But here's what I've discovered. On the other side, you will look back and you will say, I wouldn't want to go through that again. I want to wish that on my worst enemy. But it was worth it. Based on what I'm seeing in God right now, based on what he's doing through my life, based on the influence and the favor and the anointing, based on the miracles that have broken out on the other side, I'm not asking for a second round. Round one was good enough, but I ain't crazy. But it was worth it. Union Church, God is getting ready to promote you. Somebody say amen. You can be skeptical all you want. Be like, oh, whatever, that's fine. You'll just miss out on it. But just hear me. God is getting ready to open doors that no man can shut. God is getting ready to use you in ways. God is getting ready to download business ideas in your heart. Healing is getting ready to break out in your life. Somebody say amen. But before he can, you're going to be tested. Because he said, I got to make sure that you can keep it after I bring it. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the three tests, the three tests that God is going to take us through to see the miracle on the other side. It's actually the three tests that Jesus went through before he stepped into the fullness of the ministry that he had. The first thing is this, your appetite will be your first test. Your appetite will be your first. It's not a problem to be tested if you know what's going to be on the test. I used to love those classes in college when the professor was like, okay, the exam next week is going to cover chapter three to chapter five. Got you. I could deal with that because I got to read chapter three to chapter five. If I memorize chapter three to chapter five, I got a good shot at getting a B. I don't know what your goals were. Mine were just to get out. I used to hate the end of the year those God-forsaken professors who, I don't know, maybe they didn't have anybody in their life who cared about them. Maybe they were lonely, angry, bitter people. Who hurt you? They say dumb stuff like the final exam will cover everything in the textbook. Everything? Can we qualify that? Are you talking about the appendixes as well? I'm, not just what you taught in class. I, you expect me to read that whole? It's easier when you know what's going to be on the test. Your first test is going to be your appetite. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of... What do you mean, if? Oh, God, do you know if? He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. The first test that Satan brought to God and will bring to you is, hey, you hungry? Eat something. Now, just in case you missed it, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Had to clarify, because some of y'all, when y'all be fasting, I'll be like six to six. 
and then from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., you eat seven meals. That ain't the Jesus fast that he was on. And just in case you weren't clear, verse 4 says he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Forgive me, verse 2. And it says, and he was hungry. Duh. Just in case you thought because he was God, he didn't get hungry. Scripture, he was hungry. Can I give you something else? God the Father never told him to fast. It was a voluntary fast. And because it was a voluntary fast, eating would not have been sin. Tracking. Because when we, we, we think the enemy only comes to us with obvious sin. Hey, cuss your grandma out. No. No, I'm not going to do that. You got to leave y'all grandmas alone, bro. Grandma be getting whooping in these messages. I got to chill out. We, we think when the enemy comes, it's going to be some obvious, hey, go rob a bank. All he said was, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. It makes common sense. You're hungry. You're God. You can create food. Make it happen. Now, I, I do not like preachers who bast, bash the church, and I'm committed to not being a preacher who bashes the church, but sometimes the church gets it wrong. One of the things the church has gotten wrong is we have inadvertently preached to people that all they need is Jesus. The only need that you have is Jesus, and as long as you've got King Jesus, you don't need my churchy churchy folks but the bible says in matthew chapter 6 verse 33 seek ye seek ye first the kingdom of god you know what first means first means there's a second wait for it wait for it wait for it huh you wouldn't tell me first if there wasn't a second we read it as seek ye only that's not what it said it says, first is God, and then there's a second, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and you actually have to seek those things. Here's the problem. Because we come to church, and the church tells us all that we need is Jesus, we have other hungers in our life that the church has never told us how to feed those hungers. If you got Jesus, you should be good enough. Don't worry about being single. Just get you some Jesus and you're going to be fine. If you got Jesus, it'll be good enough. Don't worry about being broke. As long as you got Jesus, you're going to be fine. Can't cuddle with Jesus, okay? Went down to Bank of America. They asked me to pay my mortgage. I took a piece of paper, I wrote Jesus on it, I handed it to him, it didn't work. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I love, tell your neighbor and say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I love, don't get me wrong, I love Jesus, I love, I love me some Jesus. But there's some other needs that I have. Most people don't even acknowledge the other needs that they have, and that's why they're shocked when the enemy comes and tries to feed the need that they didn't even admit that they had. In the 1940s, there was a psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow, and he came up with what he called the hierarchy of needs. After studying people, he said, these are needs that every human being has. 
So the first need is your physiological needs. I need food. I need water. I need shelter. I need clothing. Said so your second need was safety. I need good health. I need physical safety. I need financial safety. These aren't wants. These are needs. The third need was light, love and belonging. I need relationship. I need intimacy. I need a wife. Pause. Amen. Any, 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 any husbands in the room? <laughs> Babe, it's a need. It's not a one. It's a need. God, God made me this way. I... Should I help you all out here? It's a... Oh, if... This ain't a relationship series, and there may be minors in the room, so I ain't going to go too far. But you, 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 it's not my need that makes me nasty. You know, I was going there like, oh... No, we, we've, we've taught people if you have a need, then you're nasty. No, how you feel that need determines whether you're nasty or not, but the need is from God. And what we have a lot of people is ignoring the fact that they have a need, so they're trying to secure the bag, and they're trying to get this degree, and they're trying to take care of everything else, ignoring this need, and then you wonder why you can't live holy because you're ignoring a... I'll get married after I buy this house. You ain't going to make it, boo-boo. I need <laughs> live holy in an apartment, get the house later. That's a different series for a different day. Esteem is a need. Everybody needs to be admired by someone. Every, it's not... You're just sensitive. No, no, no. I was made to need respect. It's a need. We have cognitive needs. People need to have deep conversations. I need to learn. I need to create. I, uh, God has put something inside of me that's got to be expressed through problem solving. It's a need. Come on, ladies. I got you. Aesthetics is a need. I. Come on. I need palm trees. I need white beaches. I need water that I can see my feet in. It's not just a want. It's not just a desire. It's not just that I'm being frivolous. I, come on. Anybody need a vacation right now? I, I, it's a need. Self-actualization. I need to maximize my potential. Can I, can I just talk plain? Being average kills you on the inside. You were made by God to maximize every area of your life. Now, I got to help you out here. I'm preaching Maslow. I'm not preaching the Bible right now, and I always give you when I'm doing one or the other. Maslow wasn't a Christian, so he got this mixed up. The last need should have been the first need. The last need he put was called transcendence. I need to be connected with something that's bigger than me. I need Jesus. He says the last thing you need is actually the first thing you need, but at least he was smart enough to put it on the list. These are needs, not just wants. 
And we go through life saying, all I need is King Jesus. And we've got this appetite and this hunger for all this different kind of stuff. And here comes Satan saying, you hungry? There's bread right there. Eat. Come on up. Eat. There's money out there. Go get it. Eat. All the pretty girls, all the pretty girls, just from flower to flower to flower. (laughs) You've got a hunger, and there's bread out there to fill it. Eat. Jesus said, no. I'm hungry. I'm starving. But Jesus understood that whoever feeds me controls me. And even though I'm hungry, I refuse to be controlled by something or someone that does not have my destiny in its hands. He said, I'm hungry, but I don't just live off of bread. But I live off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. I can prophesy over you all I want. God's got miracles for you, signs, wonders, open doors, favor, and it's all true. But if you don't pass this first test, you will never experience it. And that is the test of self-control. What is self-control? Self-control is when I have a legitimate need. And I refuse to fill it with an illegitimate source. Y- y- y'all remember growing up, you, those of y'all had a childhood? Some of y'all got your first full-time job at eight years old. God will heal you. Those of us who used to get to play outside till the streetlights came on. Y'all remember, y'all remember those days? It's just, come on, girls, before y'all got all prissy and all that, when you actually used to out there be rough and tough with your Afro puff and just like... <laughs> And you out there, I mean, cutting up, acting a fool, having the time of your life. The street light comes on and you would hear, hey, it's time to come in. Can I get five more minutes? If you don't get your, like they're a spoken word artist. Why you got to pause it out like that? If you don't get you. We come in, we take our shoes off. As soon as we get in the house, we will go straight to the pantry. We grab some cereal, we grab some chips, we grab some Doritos or whatever, maybe what? Because we were hungry while we were playing, but we were too busy playing to eat. And now that I'm done playing, I'm ready to eat. And I'm grabbing the cereal or what? And my mom's like, put that down. Dinner is almost. Now, there's some questions that need answers. Back then, I was only 8, 9, 10, 11. I had the guts to ask her a question, but I'm a grown man now, and she also here can't beat me. So I got a question. What were you doing the whole time I was outside? (laughs) Questions that need answers. You had until the streetlights came on to finish this meal. (laughs) Why? The gap between hunger and fulfillment will always have the option of snacks. (laughs) 
And a snack is something that will fulfill a need temporarily. But it will also ruin your appetite. Oh, I'm preaching good. For what will actually fulfill you. And some of us have been snacking for so long, we don't even have an appetite for the real thing any longer. You preach this one to yourself. We, we preaching it for 13-year-olds in the room, but you can decipher what the man of God is saying. Come on now. And God says, before I take you to the next level, I've got to mature you to the place where you pass on a snack. I'll be hungry before I ruin my future. I'll be hungry before I eat what you have to offer me. I'll be disrespected, but I'm not going to give away the anointing on my life. I won't maximize my income, but I'm not going to give away my integrity. I, I refuse to. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So God will intentionally put you in a position where your needs are not met just to see how you act. To see if you trust who he says he is. Or you respond just on your... Number two, write this down, write this down. Every feeling starts with a thought. Every feeling starts with a thought. Genesis chapter 25, verse 30. Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am exhausted. I'm weary. I'm fatigued. I'm tired. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Satan... I'm sorry. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright. As of this day. Okay, pause there. Leave the verse up. This is how the enemy operates. You have a need, I'll fill it. It'll just cost you your future. Huh? You, you have a need to be respected. Great. I will get you respected. You're just going to have to disrespect yourself. Come on now. You, you, you have a need for financial security. Yes, I will give you financial security if you're willing to give up a relationship with your children for the next 12 years. Now, I'll give you what you need. Just, just give me your birth, right? And, and look what Esau said. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. They sound like a two-year-old. Uh. So what is this birthright to me? I got to speed up and land this plane. Okay, a couple things. We all know he wasn't dying. You pick that up? Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, flowers. He was good. Esau had been out hunting for like, what, two days? He, 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 you can live off the land for a while. He's, you good. He wasn't dying. Tracking with me. And, and, and what we may not realize is hunger unaddressed makes us nearsighted. When, when there's a part of my life that is not, my needs are not being met, I lose. Some of us don't even care if God uses us or not. I'm just tired of being lonely. Some of us don't even care if we have the favor of God on our life. I just got to get these bills paid. 
Because hunger has a way of just kind of making you nearsighted. And then you begin to think and to say some outlandish stuff. I'm about to die if I am single for one more day. You ain't going to die. You can make it at least three days. If I get one more bill in the mail that I can't pay, I'm done. You ain't going to be done. It's at least 60 days before they take the car. But we have these feelings, and hear me, we don't realize that every feeling starts with a thought. Every feeling is not just a feeling. Every feeling is a thought, and that thought turns into a feeling, and that feeling turns into an action. So before it was a feeling, it was a thought. I got a question for you. Where did that thought come from? The thought that you were going to die if someone talked to you sideways one more time. Can I tell you where it came from? It came from the enemy. It came from the comment section. Say, you know, you know, you know why? It's because God's abandoned you. Because God's mad at you. Because God's for because there's too much sin in your life. God's walked away. Because you've messed up. And he's just commenting. He's just commenting. He's just commenting. And without you realizing it, you're taking these thoughts as if they are your own thoughts. Some negative thoughts are from us, but understand, not every negative thought that goes through your head originated from you. The Bible says, like fiery darts, the enemy is just peppering us with thoughts that are opposite to the word of God. And if we don't know that this feeling is not just a feeling, this feeling came from a thought. And I've got to acknowledge and filter the thought before I accept it as fact. My actions will actually destroy the future that I've been praying to God for. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says this, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, watch this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Can I play it out for you? If you are the son of God, stop right there. Whether I belong to God or not was never up for debate, never up for question, never up for concern. I've never been concerned about that. I came from my father. I know who I am. So anything that happens after this is irrelevant. Let's just check that thought right where it is. Last thing is this. Write this down. The word will always produce. So here's the game. I got to figure out how to get control of my thoughts. Because every time something happens, it goes through the wrong thought processor and I've got to eat and I feed myself on something that's detrimental. Example, my wife says something to me and it makes me feel not esteemed, disrespected. She knows who she's talking to. You know who I am. Food smorgasbord. Give her a piece of your mind. I think I will. Let me tell you something. 
cuss. Cussing ain't, that ain't, that ain't how you cut people. That ain't this amateur, elementary. Go for the mama. That's where you go. I, I don't got to cuss you. My mama told me not to. You did this back in 2015. You say you ain't even... And I feel like I snatched back my dignity. And then you realize I set my marriage back three years. Because I didn't stop to process. Come on now. I'm exhausted. I have a need for I'm, I don't care. I'm going on vacation. Come on. Tell the truth now. You ever been in that moment where you're about to swipe a credit card? And you had the thought right before you swipe it? We'll figure this out later. <laughs> Am I the only one? You're just like, I shouldn't. I don't know. What? Ah, we'll figure. I work hard. I've been through a lot. It's been a long year. I deserve this. I never think student loans. Nope. Never comes to my mind. Never. <laughs> Down payment on the house. Nope. Not thinking, not thinking, not thinking. I've got to learn how to capture. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, by changing the way that you think, by changing... I've got to let God change me by changing the way that I think. And only then will I learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So test number one, I got to get self-control. How do I get self-control? Every time I get hungry, I got to respond according to the word, not according to my hunger. What does that look like? Every feeling is going to be checked by God's word. I did good this week, guys. I was hurting more than I've ever hurt in my life, and I didn't curse God. I didn't say, I don't deserve this. I didn't say, why you? I I didn't. I wanted to, but I didn't. Yeah, you ever been I don't deserve this moment? After all I've done for you. But I was able to process my pain through the word of God. The word of God says, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. The word of God says, and even my kid, it's his kid, and I'm just a steward of the kid. He loves her more than I do. The word of God says that he's commanded his angels to encamp around. The word of God says, with long life, he will satisfy me. The word of God says, even though the enemy comes in like a flood, that God is going to raise up a standard against it. The word of God says that when the thief comes trying to steal, kill, and destroy, that God is going to make him pay back the minimum double for his trouble, and sometimes seven times what he did to me. The Bible says, yo, I fall one time, he's going to help me get back up seven different times. The Bible says when I'm in so much pain and I don't know how to pray that the groans and the utterances are translated by God and he responds. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. The Bible says I will lack nothing. The Bible says all his promises are yes and amen. The Bible says that he takes the lonely and he places them in family. The Bible says that he's going to make my name great and bring me before great men. The Bible says that he's going to take everything that I give unto him, press down, shaken together, and return it flowing over in my life. 
So even though I'm overwhelmed, I'm able to compose myself. Because the Bible says that he is for me. Well, pastor, you're the preacher. Of course that applies to you. I just got saved last week. Well, Isaiah 55 verse 11 says it don't matter who's praying. It matter who says it. And God said, I'm the one who said it. And not one thing I say shall return void. Sheldon, I don't think it's an incident that the first thing that Jesus got tested was his appetite. And the first miracle he did was go to a wedding and throw a party. Because God says, as soon as you pass that test of self-control, what I'm going to throw for you on the other side, it ain't going to be no happy meal. It ain't going to be no chicken minis and some hash browns. It's going to be above and beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So for that person who's so hungry, you think you're going to die. If I've got to be alone one more day of my life, if I've got to struggle financially, if I've got to deal with this health issue, if I've got to do, hear me, God hasn't abandoned you, so the only reason you're there is because he's testing you. And if he's testing you, that means there's a promotion on the other side of this test. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you dare get discouraged. You're closer than you have ever been a day in your life. I know you're exhausted. I know you're overwhelmed. That's why you're in an atmosphere like this, the presence of God. He is strengthening you. He is renewing you. But if you just refuse to eat a snack and say, God, I'm going to wait till I see your promise come to pass in my life. It will be worth it. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. We make a decision. We're not going to compromise. We're not just going to eat from any old buddy, God. If it's not from you, we don't want it. God, I pray for that person that's going through a trial right now. That feels abandoned. That feels overwhelmed. That feels like their fingers are slipping. God, give them strength in their weakness. Give them joy in their sorrow. God, give them peace in the storm. God, give them faith. There's a miracle on the other side with their name on it. Just where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. I can't close without addressing those of you that if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I don't look to God as my source for anything. Maybe you're like me and you, you, you grew up in church, but church was just church. And it was never a relationship with God. It was just learning about God. Or maybe you're new to an atmosphere like this. And if you'd be honest, you'd have to say, Pastor, I can't say that I have a relationship with Jesus the way that you're talking about. Well, if that's you, now's your moment. Please don't leave this moment without Jesus being the center of your life. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need, I need to come back to God. I need to come to God. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for loving me, for having a great purpose for my life. Thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood so that all of my sin 
all of my mistakes can be erased. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision?